da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. We're starting Oscar season here. Matter about movies. Welcome in, ma'am, fam. We're nearing Thanksgiving, and we've got Wes Anderson to talk about. Brian, it feels oddly fitting to be talking about Wes Anderson around Thanksgiving, doesn't it? Something that's warm and cozy about his movies. That's true. Yeah, yeah. He does have that uh, sort of the awards season feel without being overtly awardsy. I don't know. I've seen a lot. I feel like I, I hadn't really thought about that. Can't be you're right. I've seen a lot of Wes Anderson movies. In the November to December range, so you're you're kind you're kind of right. It does, it's it, not only that; it's just like his movies make me want to put on a sweater. Yes, his movies have a fall feel to them. I agree. That's that's very true. Yeah, part of the aesthetic. You don't want to wear a tank top watching Wes Anderson. It mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Sure. You want to be in yeah. in a yeah. cardigan or of some mm-hmm. kind or some yeah. kind of corduroy, a beret, perhaps. Yes. Mm-hmm. You don't watch Royal Tenenbaums when you go to the beach. That's what. That's my big move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I, I do on, on my on my iPod Touch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Fits nicely on the square. Uh, it's great. It's great. Uh, welcome in Ty, who's pinch hitting for Richard. Ty, oh, yeah. v- VIP Ty. You might know him from the Rankings and like ninety other podcasts. How many podcasts <laughs> you got these days, Ty? Uh, so many. It's just Danny just tells me where to record and I record, and then he just yells that. at me for editing that wrong. So. It's just kind of how it works. <laughs> you guys have some fun stuff going on, so check out the Rank Kings, the Kings of Ranking, uh, oh, yeah. over there, and they're doing fun stuff. and And the fa- the Mam family of pods is is blowing up. We should just start a network and start charging these people to, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, come on, you know, and promote promote their crap. But no, mm-hmm. we we love them because they're awesome and they have great opinions. And Ty has things to say about Wes Anderson, so. We're, well, we're we have opinions. Uh, I don't know if I say they're great opinions, but we have opinions for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. In your opinion, maybe they're not great, but to me, anything but my own is refreshing because you yeah, know, we don't want this to be an echo chamber. Yeah. That's for sure. I was on rankings last week, Kent, and we were doing uh, the 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 most the worst fan bases, most annoying fan bases, toxic fan bases, however you want to define that. And uh, I, I put University Aggies, of Texas. I put yep. Aggies real, real high, and that's like Ty's whole family. So yeah. I had to do all these apologies. I know it's your family too. So sorry, man. Uh, Only yeah. someone that doesn't know about about A and M would say that. I don't think A and M at <laughs> international level is is as like. Uh, no, I mean that's definitely true. I mean, like if you're it's if a very you, niche, if you live in niche bad yeah, thing. If, if you live in Pennsylvania. You're not getting any. Uh, you're like the Aggies, really. But if you live yeah. in Texas, oof, it's a tough time. It's a tough time. But tradition but, outside of tradition looks real culty. So <laughs> for yeah. sure, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're not spending like a ton of money and not not winning. You know, so that's yeah. That's but good. they're back. Texas is back though, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, oddly, y'all did that episode probably af- before the the crazy weekend this past weekend with Texas where. Uh-huh. People are calling for literally <laughs> like ex-con man. coaches to be replacing yeah. their current coach. So yeah. <laughs> they're we already did, at that level. Like, we did it before that and right before Taylor Swift was on Danny's list. So we did it right before yeah. T-Swift dropped their her uh-huh. like short film that now all the T-Swift fans are like, 
well, it was released in a theater, so it should be <laughs> nominated for the Oscars. Yeah. Short yeah. films. <laughs> yeah. Look, that's, that's coming reasonable. up later, Ty. That's, that's coming up later. Just just chill. That's fine. That's good. Well, <laughs> we're glad to have you, and please check out all of his Rank Kings episodes for more fun. And check out that Brian oh, yeah. one, too, because we all love Brian around here. But um, get without further ado, <laughs> uh, it's Wes Anderson time. Uh, we saw this one in the theater. Because this one was not out for the streaming. Wes likes to keep mm-hmm. it keep it real and keep it limited release. What was the situation for you guys when you saw this one, Brian? I saw it today, actually. Um on a Monday. A, yeah, I had a had a Monday. That's I mean, that is truly that's my favorite time to see a movie, honestly, is like Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon if I if I can do it. I I was talking to Ken off the air and I was like, that's Truly, it's one of the great perks of my job is is I have some schedule flexibility and I worked a ton this weekend and had all this stuff to do. So today I mostly just kind of answered, answered emails and set myself up for the week. So anyway, so I was able to go and like see a movie with three other people at 11 o'clock on a on a Monday. And I love that. That's like my favorite, <laughs> favorite way to uh, to do it, especially with a movie like this um, that. You know, some like blockbusters, you kind of want to be in a big pack theater because you kind of want to feed off the energy of the crowd. I don't really need the energy of the crowd for for a Wes Anderson joint. So, um, but that's that's what I did, and I was happy to do so. I was happy to uh, uh, find it. As much as like a movie like this will absolutely translate just fine to your your home TV, um, I prefer, and this is where Richard and I divert. Uh, I prefer to see the films if I can in the theater for the first time. And this was, I don't know. There's something cool to me about a, a Wes Anderson movie. It's an, it's a, it's a, it's an event. It's not a, a mass event like a Marvel movie would be. But for me, a Wes Anderson movie is still kind of an event. And I, so I was happy to, to go see it in the theaters, but, but you Ty, what was your, uh, was your theater experience this time around? Yeah. So I saw this the weekend it came out, but like, I didn't know it was coming out until like the day that they start, advertising mm-hmm. it sure because i get all my i buy all my tickets on fandango and i have my theater saved i only go to one theater that i know that i'll enjoy every time and i was like okay well i guess it's not playing anywhere in texas and then it just like randomly popped up that they were showing it in like one theater <laughs> and i was like okay i'm gonna go see it i went and saw it by myself friday night it was like the first chilly night in houston so it was like perfect wes anderson weather because it He's has such a fall vibe to all of his movies. Mm-hmm. Just put on some sweatpants and a big sweater and just ate popcorn by myself in the theater. And I <laughs> loved it. <laughs> that is the plus side of limited release, which I hate. And it is the, the bane of, of movie existence. But those random times where you're just like, Oh, hold on. This movie's available. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I can make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My in-laws are big Wes Anderson fans. Mm-hmm. And my father-in-law is very big into the camp that Grand Budapest is Wes Anderson's best movie by far, and it's not even close. You know, <laughs> so yeah, that's the bar that it's set on. So they took me to see this to um, celebrate my birthday. So they paid for my ticket uh, and took me to the movie tavern to go see this. It was our last year. They rented out a theater during pandemic times and took me to see 1917. I think we talked about that on the pod. Um, but that was an awesome experience. So it's oh, becoming yeah. like my birthday tradition with my in-laws as we that's all cool. go see a movie. So that's, yeah. that's fun. So this year was Wes Anderson. We all, we all love Wes Anderson and, um, it was, 
really fun. And so, like, I guess without spoilers, the first thing we talked about after we, as we left, was just immediately comparing it to Grand Budapest <laughs> and, sure. and yeah. the pros and cons of what we liked more about Grand Budapest versus this and vice versa. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that's kind of the context I was on is, is my wife is a big Wes Anderson fan as well. Big into Royal Tenenbaums. Um, mm. We bond over that. We have a Royal Tenenbaums, um, like, I guess not a painting, but like a canvas print or whatever mm. in our house, in nice. our bedroom of, um, what's her name? Margot Tenenbaum yeah. oh, and her yeah. mother. Very uh, great dynamic. But, awesome. but yeah, so it's a fun little bonding time with the family over Wes Anderson. We We really enjoy... Um, when his movies come out and we can all talk about them and, and kind of have that little quirky experience for 90 minutes together. It's a, it's a very, I feel like it's a thing where you either love it or hate it. You know, if you can yeah. find people that like yes. Wes Anderson and enjoy that aesthetic together, I think it's a really mm -hmm. fun kind of fan club to be in. Yeah. That's the thing with, with, with Wes. It's like, it's one of the best fan bases, not one of the worst. <laughs> yeah, and you know what you're going to get. You know what the style is going to be. You're, you're never going to watch a, a Wes Anderson movie and then at the end be like, oh, this is a Wes Anderson. You know, you're never. It's Wait, never that a was surprise. Wes Anderson? <laughs> yeah, it's, there's, there's, no, there's no doubt that you're seeing a Wes Anderson movie when you see a Wes Anderson movie. I would Anderson love to meet a person that, like, the end is, is directed by Wes. Wait, What? <laughs> Wait, Grand Budapest was directed by Wes Anderson? Yeah, if I was Wes Anderson, I really think that I would, on the side, direct crappy Netflix action movies under a pseudonym. I think oh, it would be, be awesome. so funny oh, be to be able bit. to reveal 10 years down the line, like, oh, that by the way, I directed Red Notice, you know, yeah. or something <laughs> like that. Just... I think that would be such a great bit to uh, to pull off. But but no, for real. I mean, you, you, you see a Wes Anderson movie... And at this point in his his career, we're whatever eleven ish films in. He's not trying to he's not trying to stretch the limits of what he can do. He stretches the limits, I think, of his aesthetic and of of like the this is a great. I mean, there's several segments in this that are like definitely like, hey, I think I'm going to do an animated segment. Is that cool? Cool, because I'm Wes Anderson and I want to try this kind of thing. But like, if you don't like if you don't like Wes Anderson movies, this is not going to change your mind, you know? And if you do like Wes Anderson movies, also, this is not going to change your mind. He's making movies on a, on a fairly small budget for himself and for the X percentage of, of the population that, that likes his movies. And he doesn't really care if you don't like them. And if you're not there to see, if you're not into his aesthetic then he's it seems pretty much like okay that's cool well this isn't for you then this is my thing you know yeah yeah it's absolutely. so weird to compare like but it, like him and Quentin Tarantino are so much alike in that way where it's like you know it's a Tarantino movie he's gonna make it the way he wants you either like it or you don't so weird to compare those two directors but mm. it's like the same thing with both of them they just they know what they want to do they're gonna tours, do it yeah. yeah they are they're artists in their own right yeah. I had no idea what this was going to be Same. when I went into yeah. it. All I knew that it was called the French Dispatch and it had a bunch of these actors in it. That's no different than any Wes Anderson movie. They're all usually stacked with Tilda Swinton's and Francis McDormand's and Bill Murray's and Jason Schwartzman's and Owen Wilson's. So 
that's that's all great. And so going into this and sitting down and watching it, I was very surprised and intrigued by the fact that this was going to be broken up into three separate parts. And they kind of reveal that at the beginning. Obviously, the French Dispatch itself is based on the New Yorker, I guess, loosely based on the the old school New Yorker, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a pretty fun dynamic for him to play in, a world for him to play in. I always find the worlds that he chooses to play in really fascinating because I think he can add his aesthetic to anything and factor some really funny parody videos on YouTube of people who have done Wes Anderson's version of his aesthetic to like horror movies and stuff like that. And, and it's really fun. So the fact that he chose to do this is particularly interesting to me, but uh, I like the easily digestible nature of this movie. I think that's mm-hmm. what what's most intriguing about it to me. The pacing's really good, but kind of to your point earlier, Brian, if you're not into Wes Anderson, you're going to absolutely despise this movie. I mean, yeah, we talk sure. about it every every time. It's like, man, this is so Wes Anderson-y. This is probably the most Wes Anderson-y of them, and uh, that's fine. I prefer the less um, stylized, I guess, version of what he does, the Rushmore and Tenenbaum side of his career than this but i still really enjoy this but even for me it's becoming like almost a he's almost becoming like a predictable it's so becoming so predictable what Mm. he's gonna do not story-wise but just aesthetically that Mm -hmm. it's like not be not as interesting to me anymore as it once was because it's it's become its own thing it's become its own genre really sure (laughs) Wes anderson his his style has become a genre in and of itself so Mm -hmm. um it's Mm -hmm. it's not as interesting it's not fresh and new like it once was anymore yeah i mean i take that can and i I don't i don't mean to put words in your mouth but like when i I have similar thoughts now i really liked this and i like i like this i mean this is a top this is probably gonna be a top three or four anderson for me but i do you do understand, or when you're watching this movie, you kind of get the feeling of like, when I was watching, I mean, Rushmore looks like almost like a normal movie <laughs> compared to the last like four or five Wes Anderson movies and Tenenbaum's kind of the same thing. And so when you watch those movies, when you watch Bottle Rocket or something like that, and then you watch Grand Budapest and this and Moonrise Kingdom, um, you feel mm, it is almost its own thing. It's almost like he's doing, it's almost like he's put himself in the Wes Anderson box and then he's trying to play within that, that world. And, and so a lot of these movies come out like a sort of a greatest hits of Wes Anderson-ness. And again, I really like it. I love the sandbox that we're playing in. Um, I never personally get the... This is the big line of delineation for me between him and some of the other uh, aesthetic directors that we have right now where I never get the sense that he is trying to be profound and expects you to go along with the profoundness because I think a Wes Anderson world is inherently silly and quirky and... Mm -hmm. 
And I greatly appreciate that. There's always a humor to his movies. That's part of it. You you get the sense that he is um not just in on the joke, but that he welcomes you to be a part of it and that sort of thing. And so that's a big reason why I, I'm I'm it's it's not just the enjoyment of the movies, but that I don't get annoyed by the aesthetic is because I don't get the sense that he is um like he's not Aronofsky, you know. I see him more as homage than anything. Like him just kind of paying tribute to the things that he loved growing up sure. and kind of playing in that world in his own weird aesthetic. I, I, I'm <laughs> sure that, that, that Wes, if I'm sure that Wes is, I know that he is a very demanding director and very particular with a lot of the things that, that he does. But again, I just, I think for me, a big difference between him and some of these, some of the other directors is that I don't get the sense that he gives a rip if you don't love his movies and I don't think I don't get the sense that he thinks he's making profound cinema and that I I don't know that to me is the difference between here's my quirky aesthetic and I'm a giant douchebag about <laughs> stuff I don't know yeah like, yeah he he doesn't he doesn't see himself as this high artist or anything like that yes. whereas some um let's just say Batman v Superman directors <laughs> would consider what they do like as true art where I think he's sure. just like having fun making Wes Anderson stuff. And wow, you want to show us at the Cannes film festival? Great. You know, mm-hmm. and, like he's yeah. just kind of playing in his own world and him and Roman Coppola have just have so much fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. writing these stories together and having their own quirky voice Sure, that they can bring to the table and mm-hmm. the Alexandre dress yeah. Desplat scores <laughs> right. that they've been able to, Established that um, connection over the past couple movies. Obviously, Jason Schwartzman is still heavily involved with this. Owen Wilson's his OG writing partner from back in the day. I mean, he's kept his team together for a long yeah. time. And yeah. Bill Murray has said, I will do anything Wes asks me to do yes. forever. So, I mean, I'm sure Tilda's the same way and Adrian Brody and all these people why not? <laughs> I yes. mean, just His people keep swear doing by this. him. And yeah. so clearly there's something working there it's just i respect that he is is going to continue doing the movies that he's making the movie that he wants to make the world that he wants to do it in and and making it look and feel and sound the way that he wants it to um and i you know again it helps that i super really like that world and it's it's very easy for me to get on board now again i mean like ty i know danny's not a wes anderson guy (laughs) This movie's not going to change his mind. I'm not going to. I'm not yeah. going to get off the air here and text Danny and be like, "Hey, you got to go. You got to go see the French Dispatch because it's gonna. It's gonna make you love Wes Anderson." I think Grand Budapest might be able to do that. I think that that movie I th- I th- has. Yeah. There's so there's so much going in that that film, Saoirse. and it narratively has something too. This doesn't really. I mean, I understand it. It has a narrative, but it's a. It, it's sort of vignettes. I think almost. the most approachable one for a gen- general person who just likes movies would probably be Rushmore or Tenenbaums. Yeah, I think Tenenbaums or, or Grand Budapest to me. I Rushmore's. A, you're right. You're right. It is. It is a. It's a very um, traditional story in a lot of ways, just told through kind of a the, kind of the a kind of a teen coming yeah. of age, like late nineties, yeah. like you would see. Sure. Uh, yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt starring right. or something, right. you know, but, one of those. but the the majority of Grand Budapest, outside of the aspect ratio, is a pretty normal movie. And then just with like 
with all these these Anderson-y touches. So like that's mm-hmm. the one that if that if somebody's like I don't like Wes Anderson or I've never seen a Wes Anderson movie, how can I get into these movies? That's probably the one that I'm saying, "Hey, go go watch this." Or Tenenbaums because it is the funniest of of his movies. Just yeah. truly a really funny funny film. But this one's not going to do it. This one's not going to going to switch people over, I think. And that's okay. He doesn't seem to care about that, and I don't care about it either. You know? you, you're yeah. right. It, it does feel a bit like a greatest greatest hits collection, and maybe that's because he is so independent at this point. He doesn't have anyone telling him no, and he can do sure. whatever he wants. He can do mm-hmm. a, a sequence in animation. He can do an entire sequence that's just showing the before and after of this mm-hmm. of this right. place, which I thought was great. That split screen stuff that he does was was really fun. But what I didn't like about this was the constant narration. The entire movie just felt kind of like a setup for a movie. It never really felt like it got into a groove of mm-hmm. a story. And I know that's on purpose because it is these this three part, these three chapters or three newspaper stories that's set up in here. I like how he sets his movies up in different ways. You know, Rushmore, that was kind of like the play and Ten Bombs had the chapters of the book. And mm-hmm. this is obviously uh, different, but... His creativity is off the charts, man. I will say <laughs> how he's able to stay Wes Anderson-y, but do different things too. He's not repeating himself a lot, which I find yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, it, in terms of like scenarios and places and settings and things like that, um, production design, it, he uh, has his own style, but it's consistently different with every film, which is impressive. But what was your favorite of these three, we start off with one called the cycle, the con- concrete masterpiece, which is uh, we got Del Toro in this <laughs> as a an artist, so a struggling good. artist who has been imprisoned, and uh, to me, this was the funniest one of the three. Oh yeah, just because of the the commentary on modern art, I find. Absolutely hilarious. There was an episode of Documentary Now that they did on the most recent season about modern art criticism and modern art culture that just floored me with how funny it was, the satire of it. But this was along those lines with the Wes Anderson spin. Absolutely love this. This is a great way to start off the French Dispatch. Yeah. I wish that we got like a full movie of that article. (laughs) Right. Like it was so, it was hilarious. And then the flashback parts with the, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that actor's name, but he was the, uh, he was the bellboy or whatever in Grand mm-hmm. Budapest playing the younger Benicio. Like that, <laughs> I just want that full movie of Tony, his, Tony Revlori. Yeah. He's, I want that he's full the one movie. from Spider Man as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was greatness. Uh, Henry Winkler mm-hmm. pops up in that one. American Treasure, Bob Balaban. <laughs> Of yeah. course, so many ats in these in these movies. He's... Adrian Brody works so well in Wes Anderson's world yeah. too. I'm not a big was... Adrian Brody guy, yeah. but like he pops up in these. I'm like, man, perfect perfection. I was gonna say the same thing. I do not like Adrian Brody, and I I think he's a Vince Vaughn all star. He looks like he smells awful. But <laughs> I maybe he's so fun in he just fits Wes Anderson movies so wonderfully. Like. I would be thrilled if that was just the only thing he did. Like, oh, yeah. I don't need him in succession. I don't need him popping up in other movies. Just, just do a Wes Anderson every three years, and and that's good. And and Heineken commercials, obviously. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think he's 
he works so well in in this one, and he's such a fun for this particular one. I mean, he's he's such a fun sort of adversary for Del Toro, who just just crushes it. Like probably for me, probably the MVP of this movie is Del Toro. He's so good. He's so much fun in that role. And I love that in in the Wes Anderson world when Adrian Brody's on screen. Wes just zooms in on his very, very, very crooked nose. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like every other movie that he's in, they try to hide it, and Wes is just like, nope, that's going to be the center it. point yeah. yes. of yes. every scene it's you're in. It's part of his personality. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. part of why he's in the movie is the way he looks, you know? And Wes, yeah. I think, appreciates yeah. actors for kind of how their uniqueness in that way. And, man, yeah, this is this is probably the only world that I like Brody in so far is the... <laughs> It's the Wes Anderson world. We'll keep him, keep him in there. So the concrete masterpiece was, was a great way to start it off. And we move on to the Tim- Timothy Chalamet segment where uh, it's with Francis too. So we've got yeah. Chalamet Gosh. as this kind of chess story <laughs> with, with Francis. So this is a total Kent Garrison special, mm-hmm. the chess, the Francis and uh, the Wes Anderson. So this is, this one to me, I, I think that the concrete masterpiece is the best of of the three, personally. But this is the most Wes Anderson because it's so ridic- It's a ridiculous story. It's a ridiculous story to put so much. Um, it's such a silly thing to make so serious. You know, he's got this. I mean, this whole story is just like it's basically about that they want access to the girls' dormitory. You know, and and it turns into like a full on. <laughs> like tear gas and and riot yeah. gear war between the 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 youth of the city and <laughs> and the authorities and it's it's so funny it's just such a funny funny bit that he's turned he turns into thirty minutes of of Francis McDormand and and Chalamet so I'm sorry Ty I talked about Chalamet before you I know he's your guy so so go ahead I I assume this is your favorite part of of the segment of the movie. Surprisingly, this is not my oh, favorite part. This yeah. might be like my third favorite. Wow. Wow. The Benicio um, and the Jeffrey Wright one. But uh, I mean, I, I obviously I was so pumped for Chalamet to be in this movie. I'm probably a little bit too obsessed with him. Um, but I think he was so good. He was so weird. Like they just made him so like you have this like heartthrob that everyone's <laughs> in love with. And you're just like, nope, let's make him strange. And then have a relationship with Francis McDormand and have her constantly rewriting his manifesto with like out anywhere. Like he's he's just like, come on, I can't do that. She's like, no, just doesn't give him give him an inch. And then like his friend goes off to some war that they don't really talk about. And then they yeah. have that whole cut scene of them of of the play that that yeah. guy wrote. Yeah, where the kid just jumps out the window like. This was this definitely was the most Wes Anderson story, and it was just yeah. so strange because it was everywhere. It was all yeah. over the place, and you have Chalmay playing chess. Against we need a chess movie from Wes Anderson. Chess <laughs> yeah. is the perfect <laughs> world for for yes. Wes Anderson to yes. dabble in. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Wes Anderson uh, produced the next Queen's Gambit season. <laughs> there we go. I would love there a go. a movie about a chess champion from Wes Anderson would be <laughs> incredible. Set yes. in like the 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 heyday Bobby Fischer era. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Give that to me. But even even down to like their their whole like motto or battle cry is the the children are grumpy. I yeah. it just killed me. 
kill me. I thought it was the really manifesto funny. part. I love yeah, that. the best part, maybe the best line in the whole movie to me is when uh, it's it's the first scene between McDormand and Chalamet, and he's in the bath, and she's you know, and she hands over he hands over his manifesto, and she immediately criticizes it, and he gets offended. And she says, you know, oh, did you not want critique? And he's, yeah. he said, yeah. I don't remember yeah. the exact lines, but he essentially says, no, I just thought you would tell me how great it is. And I was like, <laughs> I, I relate to this so much. Like this is, this is a perfect, this is a perfect statement the way that it was, it was written there. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the reverse of, of Rushmore where you've got the, the woman falling in love with the young student as opposed to the young student <laughs> falling in love with the, uh, the, um, older woman. So you kind of flipped it on its head there. I like that symmetry. And that played so well later with like that that three person conversation with Chalamet and Francis McDormand and the I guess the the girl leader of mm-hmm. the revolutionaries or whatever Juliet, when they're just having yeah. that whole back and forth where Francis McDormand doesn't want to intervene because she's the journalist, but she wants to intervene <laughs> because she wants to. I think that yeah. just it sets that up so well. The little asides there, the subtitles uh, with his friends too, of like journalistic yeah. integrity doesn't actually exist. Things like that <laughs> is it's pretty. It was pretty great. Pretty great. So we move on to the final segment here. With you, you mentioned it earlier, Ty, with with Jeffrey Wright as Roebuck Wright, the food journalist. Yeah. And this one has like a talk show set up with Liev Schreiber as the talk show host, a very Dick Cavett show feel to it that's what it reminded me of it reminded me of these old old school dick cavett alfred hitchcock interviews that Mm -hmm. that i've been watching on youtube and the story was oddly hitchcock too with the with the the poison poison food aspect of it that's a that's a theme that pops up in a lot of hitchcock movies is a poisoned poisoned food so that that was the the vibe that I got with this one, but where did you guys rank it in, among the three, Brian? Um, gosh, I really love this movie. Um, the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, it's hard. I I think it's probably it's probably my third favorite of the three, but it's but I but it also has like the most poignant touching like relevant moment of the whole the whole movie i mean the 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 slight the little conversation between jeffrey wright and bill murray when he's in jail and and the the uh uh you know the context and the reasons for why they're there and stuff is so that's very yeah. unlike Wes the anderson like you the don't French get dispatch thing yeah the reason this movie exists basically yeah and exactly i mean you you don't get touching storylines uh or moments Wes anderson doesn't do poignant you know, I mean, Royal Tenenbaums like makes that very clear in the way that it that it handles um, so much of of the story with with Gene Hackman and the way that his kids um, relate to him. That's part of what makes that movie so great. You don't get that kind of stuff in in Anderson movies very often. Um, so I very much appreciated that. I thought that was great. Jeffrey Wright is a great addition to the the repertoire of players that that Wes Anderson brings in anytime he makes a movie. Um, it was really good. I just sort of gravitated towards the Del Toro one, uh, maybe most of all, and then it's just fun to see McDormand on on screen at all times, but 
kind of playing off of Chalamet was a great a great setup as well. So, but I thought this was a really very well it was a very beautifully written segment of the movie and uh, and a great deal of fun too. Getting getting Ed Norton in there, get Sir Ronan in there. I mean, it's you know you're you're really hitting the the <laughs> and uh, Willem Dafoe and just kind of going down the list of like all right. This guy hasn't been in one yet. This she hasn't been in one yet. All right, let's let's get. Uh, where's Danny Glover? We need to get him in here too. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, there's a, there's a lot going on. Willis, it's very good. Yeah, <laughs> I like well, Bruce Willis. He's busy shooting rice. seven red box movies during the time <laughs> yeah. that this movie was being shot. So exactly, exactly. Well, man, I don't know where to rank. To me, this one kind of reminds me of the Buster Scruggs movie, mm. where it's like yeah. a really good greatest hits collection mm-hmm. like you yeah. said Brian of of what they do but it's not it's not a definitive movie in in his filmography I don't think in any way but it's, it's a great it's a great addition to it it's the buster scruggs for anyone who ever owned a new yorker tote bag <laughs> perfect perfect yes. yes i did love the setup though i'll tell you i, I think the the conceit of a visual magazine essentially is is pretty top notch that's very that in and of itself is very Wes Anderson-y and and then uh the execution on top of that I also too I mean it's very uh it's very Murray centric it's been a while since Murray has been as prominently featured in an Anderson movie as as he is in this one so I I certainly I'm not I'm not upset about that for sure it's it's fun to see to see old Bill on screen and getting a little bit of uh, of actual love instead of just sort of in only in the background as he has been in a, the the last couple it seems like yeah I thought I I love the way that he did this with journalism because mm-hmm. I might be biased because I used to be a journalism major before I sold out and became a business <laughs> major uh, but the first thing they say is you know no emotion and that's very mm-hmm. much a Wes Anderson thing to do but then he also decided like. I feel like this is his first film where he like actually wanted to say something yeah. like, especially Same. with his, his Jeffrey Wright story mm-hmm. and yes. the uh, Tilda Swinton story. I feel like those two like actually said something important and poignant. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that he was like, okay, well I'll do it through this journalism, you know, focus where everything's emotionless. It's all facts. And then mm-hmm. you decide what I'm trying to, to say and all these. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think I, the I, Tilda one certainly said a lot about not only making fun of art criticism, but uh, the value of what is art. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that somebody in prison can do something that's worth tens of millions of dollars to the average person. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's a strong message in and of itself, right there. But the way they the, he went about it to add his own flair to it, yeah, made it that much more effective. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's interesting too that it it comes out as a sort of a as sort of a love letter to journalism because I wouldn't have pegged Wes Anderson as a guy who really cares about journal. It's not it's not the same as like Scorsese making Hugo, you know. And and this is this is sort of the love letter to to classic pictures and cinema and whatnot. Um, I I don't know that I would have seen that as being part of the foundation of of Wes Anderson, you know. But it's I mean, it seems very clear that it was. UT big journalism school, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it is. But I just, I mean, you know, would it surprise you if you found out that Wes Anderson has no... Would not surprise me to find out that Wes Anderson has (laughs) 
has every New Yorker from 1927 yeah. <laughs> to 1935. Yeah, that's that's maybe true. That's maybe true. He's like, look yeah, at this like, article from on the uh, invention <laughs> of the vacuum cleaner sure. from 1929. Sure. Isn't this awesome? Yeah. That, yeah. that is sounds ex- yeah. exactly like what I would expect, actually. And but, the, okay. there's an yeah, that's article. Fair. It just, it just wouldn't, I guess what playing I'm saying chess. Is, yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if Wes like doesn't know that COVID happened. Or something like that. He's just like kind he's of just shooting this so in his own world of like, oh, really? Okay, interesting. I didn't know. Like, it just, he doesn't describe. It doesn't doesn't hit me as somebody who's like really, really in into journalism. You so maybe what? that's why it's the New Yorker and such instead of the New York Times. You know, See, or I something like that. But I know people that have like adopted the identity of being Wes Anderson fans, <laughs> and like that's their whole aesthetic. Like, yeah. That's uh-huh. how they approach everything. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, they only read the New Yorker. Like, they don't read <laughs> yeah, any yeah, news. They don't yeah. watch the news. They only read the New Yorker. And there's an article out there where all of these writers that are portrayed in this movie are comparisons to New Yorker writers. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, on those credits where they show yeah. all the different covers, like, there are some basically like direct just redrawings of New Yorker covers. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The names at the end, too, was that was yeah. almost got a. I got teary. I got I, a I tear cried out, of, out of out of me. That was uh, I wouldn't I wasn't expecting James Baldwin and E. B. White and all these all these very great acclaimed writers to be mentioned the way that they are as, as in thanks like that. That was uh that was a bit of a I, I'm I I don't know kid like I'm curious to see because as much as this is like the greatest hits of of Wes Anderson aesthetically, there's several things we kind of talked about here that like kind of you wonder like did he did he learn emotions over the last <laughs> few years like this is i mean i, know I just think like basically maybe emotionally COVID, this but, is poignant but like i just think aesthetically it's so for sure overdone yeah. with uh, wes anderson-ness it's, that oh yeah it's like it's, it's very wes it honestly like hurts yes, my yeah. eyes at this point with how pastel these movies are <laughs> you know it's like just gotten so insane with it's like a it's like he's in a theme park of himself uh, these with how he can build these sets to as extravagant a level as he wants to, and it, mm-hmm. and to a certain extent it's awesome, but to a certain extent it's like I've seen this ninety times and it's getting crazy. It's just like I want him to yeah. mix it up a little more. I, I'm with you. Like that'd be awesome if he directed other styles of movies under a different name because he couldn't do that as Wes Anderson. But like, yeah, I feel like he knows movies. Like surely he does. Like surely his brain doesn't just operate like this is what comes out of his brain. Like he has to go to a significant length to make this aesthetic possible. You know, it's not just, isn't just like how he shoots movies. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, he definitely, he definitely is somebody who owns cassette tapes and tries to get you to listen to cassette tapes. And you're like, well, it sounds dude. I have Spotify and also a record player and also cassettes sucked even when they were new. Like it's a terrible technology that we do not need. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I get, I, I guess what I would say is like, you're at a certain point, this will get old to me or, or it will, it will feel tired. And maybe it, it it is there for you or is getting there for you. Can it, it's not it's getting there. there. For this me this yet. it was getting there with with uh, Grand Budapest just aesthetically uh, of oh, what man. the movie looks I like. Grand I Budapest. love the movie man. for for Ray Fiennes and stuff. Of the movie so much. I I but love it. I love I'm it. way more into just his. I don't know the toned back style. I've said that for years on the show, but mm. 
Um, I don't think he'll ever return to that. I just think this is where we are in his career. And it's only going to be like, to me, mm-hmm. a, a note coming out of this, I would love for him to do a full animation movie. Now I thought the animated sequence is the coolest part of the movie uh, in terms of mm. what was visually interesting to me. So I would love sure. for him to do a 2d animation movie. I know he's done stop motion a couple times, but right. um, that, that was awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just becoming a, uh, I mean, Honestly, <laughs> it's just like crazy. It's like psychedelic almost. <laughs> yeah. See, okay, like I thought Grand Budapest was like the most like aesthetic, like, whoa, maybe he just needs to calm down. And I, for me, this felt like kind of a step back away. Maybe oh, it's just because I mean, Budapest the, was so the, bright. The side yeah. cutout of the whole the entire building that he did in this. I mean, it was like oh, the entire yeah. movie was a montage of his style of segments is what it felt like with the narration and music. It just never stopped, which was fine at a, to a certain extent, but I'm, I'm at the point, Brian, that's, that's all I got to say. I'm at, I'm at the point where I need a little more toned down, like introspective Wes Anderson next. I don't think we're going to get it, but I'm getting Wes Anderson fatigue for sure. I'm definitely, I'm definitely not there because, but part of that is because he's made 10 movies. I mean, we're, we're we're 25 years almost into the Wes Anderson run and he's only made 10 movies. If he's making, so there's still a part of there. It still seems like if he's going to make a movie, it's going to be a movie that he feels like he needs to make. It's not, I'm just here to do my bit. You know what I mean? And that, that's, that will, that leaves me in a place still where I'm, I don't think I'm particularly close to like, all right, man, we get it. Um, I don't know, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, if he, if he makes a bad movie, that would, that would for sure help push me in that direction. Like I think Darjeeling limited is, is the worst of his, his films. And it's like a B maybe, you know, if he makes a movie that is like kind of grading from a storytelling standpoint, the aesthetic will definitely, be it will wear me out quicker if if the story the acting the the perform whatever if that stuff starts to to dwindle the aesthetic's not nearly as cute or interesting or quirky or whatever if the movie isn't also of a quality a certain quality and and thus far for me we're we're still still batting about a hundred a thousand you know yeah absolutely He's got a he's got a great track record, for sure. Um, anything else on this before we hit a great? Uh, no, not for me. I love the ending. I, lo- I love the the conclusion of everyone's here in this room. Uh, what do we do now? Well, we're gonna, we got to write this last this last magazine. I thought that was a very sort of hopeful note for the for the movie to end on, and and had like a lot of energy to it. I, I dug that. I thought it was a, a great close to the movie. One director, yeah. I'll kind of compare him to comedically is Christopher guest. Yes. Okay. Which world is he going to kind of comment on next? Mm -hmm. And and something that would make a lot of sense with Roman Coppola. that I think would be perfect is wine culture. I mean, come on. Mm, Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't that make little uh, wine tastings? Wes Anderson could do that. I think, uh, perfectly. Mm -hmm. Anything else, Ty, before we hit a grade? Yeah. I just kind of hope in just, want to put it out there that I hope they release like some of this artwork that they put at the end of the movie, mm. like of the French French dispatch covers, sure. the covers, like yeah. I'm sure they'll do something with the, 
it's I mean this is automatic admission to Criterion, mm-hmm. obviously, but like I I hope they that someone just puts out all this artwork for it because I'd, I'd love to have some French Dispatch magazine covers. I'm with you there. All right, let's hit a grade. I'll give French Dispatch a um, A minus. What about you, Brian? High A for me, Mid, just shy of of A plus. But this is top. I don't know, five or six of the year. Now, again, as we talked about on our news episode, which will come out in a couple couple days, uh, there's a lot of movies to come. But if if the year ended right now, this is in my, this is right around the top five of the year for me. So very very high A. What about you, Ty? A plus plus. This nice. past ten bombs for my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Oh, nice. Wow. I'm, I'll be liquor. I think Licorice Pizza is the only movie that could knock it out. My number one of the year. But like, have you seen Clifford yet though? Because that I, I have. Oh, okay. I have wow. seen Clifford. Okay. <laughs> I sees everything. Yeah. He's about more than he sees more movies than we do. Yeah. You can't challenge him there. You can skip Clifford if you if you want to. No, I live oh. with an eight year old. So okay. good. I was worried. <laughs> I was worried he'd be in contention this year. <laughs> okay. Let's um before we get out of here, let's hit a weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. For our absentee Richard. He wanted to recommend the book from Dave Grohl, Storyteller, the memoir. And it's funny because I got it for my birthday from my in-laws at this screening for French Dispatch. They gave it to me for a gift for my birthday. So that was a very lovely gift to get. And uh, Richard doubles down on that recommend. So Storyteller from Dave Grohl is Richard's recommend. My recommend is a documentary. Um, that Wes Anderson appears in uh, called Hitchcock Truffaut. Mm. It's about the relationship between Alfred Hitchcock and Francois Truffaut. And uh, they hung out a lot. And Truffaut was a huge Hitchcock fan and just wanted to pick his brain on his style and stuff. And so he recorded interviews with them. Obviously, there's a book that's very well-known called Hitchcock Truffaut that is the written account or the transcription of that conversation but they did a documentary kind of about the book and then about their relationship and Wes Anderson pops up in that and and talks about it but the documentary is solid and um just you know filmmakers talking about filmmakers kind of stuff so that's always fun I like those kinds of documentaries Netflix is supposed to be releasing this movie essay series soon Brian have you seen the yeah the Fincher thing yeah man yeah yeah it looks interesting people were pissed off because like Netflix teased the new project from David Fincher and they're like, oh my God, Mindhunter's back. And then right, they right. announced this. I, I, I'm kind of more excited for this than yeah, Mindhunter. Yeah, same here. Big, like, big wanna, same for me. I want to yeah. say like a, yeah. A, yeah, yeah, you're giving me a ton of right. in-depth movie criticism <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, to me that sounds awesome. Through the yeah. lens of Fincher, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, There's I'm 450 series about uh, like Ted Bundy, True so crime. I'll probably be yeah. all right without more <laughs> Mindhunters. That's, that's okay. I'm good. Yeah, that's good. Speak for yeah. yourself. <laughs> Ty, what you got for a recommend? Yeah, so this is a movie I watched back in April. Uh, it's called Skate Kitchen. Um, it came out in 2018. It's on Hulu. Um, it's about um, this girl finds a group of friends coming of age story, um, and they're all big skateboarders in New York. Um, it's kind of like what mid-90s was trying to be, and I think it does it a lot better. Um, mm. I give it five stars. I think it's one of my favorite movies of that year. Uh, nice. It's so good. Uh, I think everybody should check it out. 
Um, and even just look it up, the the movie poster is like awesome. It's so cool, but it's just such a very, it's a very vibey movie. Like not a lot happens coming of age movie, you know, not really anything happens, but you know, group of girls trying to find themselves and also skateboarding through New York. Nice. I've always thought that the late nineties, early aughts skateboard pop punk culture is a fun thing that should be explored more. Jonah Hill recognized that and tried to do something and mid nineties is great, but um, I still think that there can be something said about that. I would love to check this out. That's a great recommend. Yeah. Um, Cause that to me, that that's still like a, there's like a between 95 and 98. Like we, the only thing we acted like happened is the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Like there was a lot, <laughs> a lot going on. I feel like other than that people and Y2K yeah, the, oh, I mean, prep, Monica Lewinsky is, and Y2K, and Y2K. Prep, Y2K yeah. And prepping yeah. and buying water. Uh-huh. That was it. Right. And Limp Biscuit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, stock Limp Biscuit heck yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. First, when you said skate kitchen, I was like, okay, is this a cooking show where everyone has to wear <laughs> skates? Cause I'm into that. Yeah. That actually that would make a really interesting dynamic to these. Okay. You yeah. Maybe this, cut that out. Rollerblades the whole time. <laughs> maybe cut that out. So no one steals that idea. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. That's a million dollar idea yeah, right there. Giving away the good ones for free, man. Skate <laughs> kitchen. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, you have to make this Thanksgiving feast, but you're uh-huh. on roller skates. Yeah. Go. <laughs> <laughs> you try to do it like based a turkey on skates would be very funny. <laughs> okay. It's good. Ryan, you gotta recommend and we'll get out of yeah, here. Yeah. Look. Uh, before I take flack, I was gonna recommend Dave Grohl's Storytellers and oh, Richard stole you it do from that? me. Uh, no, it's fine. Cause, uh, Taylor Swift put out a, a sort of new album this week and it's great and I love it and it's called red and it's the one that needed this redo treatment the most of all of her albums. And I'm very basic and, uh, but I, I, I had a drive this weekend, had to, my sister, my sister lives well outside of town. Can't she lives out in like outside Glen Rose, which is the dumbest place to live. And, uh, we had to drive out there for a birthday party thing. And I was like, okay, great, perfect. I'm going to put on this 30-song album and uh, and just and cry. get in my feels for the whole drive out and the, and the drive back. And I did. And you was, had to pull over wonderful. a few times. It was just Yeah, like, Lindsay, you got to drive <laughs> What's for the next song. Yeah, I got Nothing. It. He's just listening to the Taylor Swift <laughs> record. Just give us a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> I never said that I was, uh, I was, I was some sort of Renaissance man. I am, I'm very basic, uh, but I, I love, I love Taylor Swift, and I love. Well, what was funny was is we went to a screening one time, and and I picked up a record for you uh-huh. that you yeah. were looking for, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I gave it to you. We were in a big group of friends, yeah. and you, and I showed up late, and their whole gr- group of friends was like on the row, and I, I passed it down the aisle, and I was like. Here's your Taylor Swift record, yeah. Brian. Yeah, and you would and think everyone, that, and you're like, thanks, man. And, yeah, and yeah. I made people try to make it. fun of me for that, and I was like, it's impossible to make fun of me for this. No, so somebody I'm came up to me after the screening so and goes, yeah. and goes, hey, no, what record did you really get? <laughs> I was like, no, it really was a Taylor Swift record. Like they I thought had, I was making a joke. Yeah, I had the the exact inverse of that this week because Saturday morning I was hanging out. I was at a work thing with uh, with Tobin, my co-host on on uh, Spread the Floor, my basketball podcast. Um, and the day before I had picked up two copies of red because I got one for him. You too. camped out like, of target. Yeah. And so I like, I, uh, I walked in, I was like, Hey buddy, here's your, here's your record. And a couple of the, the, the people we work with were like, really guys? And I was like, 
you can try to shame me all you want. I do not feel it. I do not feel your bullying on this whatsoever. She's, she's fantastic. I you cannot make you can try. You can do it all you want. It will not affect me whatsoever. This is I love it. And also like, suck it haters. Yeah, I do not care. Um, you know. Uh I shake it off as it is as it oh, were. Um nice. yeah, it d- d- does not God. <laughs> Does not affect me whatsoever. <laughs> Bring it on. But also, Kent, seriously, this year rules for music. This has been such a yes. good year. Almost all of my favorite bands and musicians have either put out an album this year or have announced an album that's coming You know, in the first few months of, of next year. So I'm glad to see all these creatives have... Uh, have spent the pandemic wisely and oh, just yes. made banging records. And we get Adele next they. week. And yeah. Brandy Carlisle was a couple, it was like a month ago. And Jason Isbell has a covers album out. And, and Foo uh, Fighters have a movie coming. Yeah, Foo Fighters have a movie. A We're getting movie. a Pine Grove yeah. album at the beginning of, of Jan- in, you know, in January. I mean, it's, there's like all... It, well, let's it's be getting been, Kendrick Lamar soon, too. Adele, yeah, like Adele leaked that and said she's heard a lot I'm of it. Po- I'm poor, man. Like all the, Every band I care about pretty much has put out a record yes. or is putting out a record. My, you know, I've spent more on records tough. this year than yeah. maybe yeah. since I started collecting I know. 15 years ago. Here, like yeah. when I was starting to build my collection. There yeah. were so many I bought this year. So it's many reissues. Oh yeah. my gosh. You're, I'll tell you what too. Right. This is a killer for me and it's not good for the record industry cuz I feel bad about this. Like Target also being like, "Oh, by the way, we have a special issue of pretty much every record" is real bad for me cuz I can <laughs> I can <laughs> I don't live like down the street from a record store. I have to make a trip to go to one of my locals and I do. I love local record stores, but it's like an outing, you know, whereas Target I'm there getting bananas anyway. And so it's like, well, I might as well just might go well ahead and grab this record, grab you know. This Ariana Grande. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have <laughs> it. Gotta have it. No. <laughs> I'm with you, yeah. I, I'm glad that the 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 general public has accepted it's like either it's Spotify or vinyl. It's yep. like you choose 100%. that. It's like there's yep. and you want CDs, like that's way more of a niche mm-hmm. now. Like yeah. bands you have to request to get a cd a lot uh, <laughs> right. at times right. to get a band like you see on instagram comments when albums come out they're like is there going to be a cd or no you know because right. that's a right. that's more of a worry than if there's going to be vinyl which i love because it used to be the opposite 15 years ago exactly. it was like yep. only indie bands would have vinyl and then no but no like bands i listened to had vinyl <laughs> right <laughs> you know until right. they all started doing reissues five or 10 years ago that I, I swooped up and now everyone wants them. So yeah, that's a nice part of it. I never saw it as an investment, but it's become like, I never thought of my record collection as having like money value. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought yeah. it was like, well, I, I definitely want this record forever because I love this album and I will forever. But yeah. now it's Same. like people are offering us money for this certain <laughs> pressing of this album. I'm like, yeah, I'm with you, Brian. If, if I have a pressing of an album, it's worth money. I'll, I'll give it to somebody if I can go get it at Target. <laughs> Heck yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, this yeah. Beatles thing that you have, man, that's that's the 1967. Like, okay, I can get it at for Abbey Road for 15 bucks at Walmart. I'm going to go do that. <laughs> right. You know, to me, right. I, I don't care. Yeah. I'm about the what's what's etched onto the record, Same. not like yeah. which pressing it is or yeah. anything like that. I don't but care less. I am too, but, but I can't tell you how many times I've been like... <laughs> This is this I need is all this about how stupid vinyl. I am. Yeah, yeah. This is all about how stupid I am because I, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, I don't need that record. You know, I don't need this album on on vinyl. It's fine. Like I'll listen to it on Spotify. I do not need to own this record. 
and then <laughs> and then it'll be like but could i interest you in the exact same record but the vinyl is blue instead of black yeah. and i'm like yep absolutely of course yeah. you can yeah, of course exactly. i'll spend four dollars more for that dark, version of course, yeah, yeah. I am an idiot when it comes to these things, but uh, yeah, I'm yeah. with you on the on the pressings. It's like if I have something that's super valuable, if I can get the record in not that valuable state, I am totally fine with with and selling a newer the pressing that's sealed it. and hasn't been played. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, I, I can totally <laughs> do that. Give me that, yeah. no problem. And so my bar, Brian, has been like if it's if it stays on my Spotify rotation for like three to six months, mm-hmm. then I'll usually purchase it. Or sure. if it's like a record that I grew up on or an all-time yeah. classic type of stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, my, I always try think, to get like the yeah. all-timers. That's kind of mine. Yeah, this is where the completionism comes into play for me as well as like just the collection part of, of me. It's, it's well, I have all the other albums by this artist or I have three albums by this artist. I probably need all of them, right? Yeah. Like I got to figure don't out Don't go down that road. Either, well, yeah, I'm, don't, I'm, don't go down the like, life. I already have three, mental now I need six. I deal with. Yeah, yeah. It's, trust me. No. I, Buy I, like I, one album until you absolutely have to have the discography. Yeah, no, it's it's. I've done that stupid, before. Before I, I knew made, it, I had every Beck record. And I'm like, yeah. well, there's only two that I actually listen to. Yeah, there's no so stopping like, you. There's no, I, I mean, I have I the did the same control. thing with Creed, and I'm just banging uh, now. <laughs> man, their whole discography yeah. Yeah. kills, man. Come on. on the plus side, you you are the collector, you know? So there's there's that. You get <laughs> to go to them in business. Yes. You get to go yeah. to Scott Stapp's Thanksgiving. Um, so that's good. That's probably pretty good. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. I love that it's back. Yeah. And, um, we'll, um, hopefully continue the trend soon. I got this, um, Kanye stem player, which is pretty interesting. It's like yeah, a I saw MP3 you post player that, in the Discord. that you mm-hmm. can like, basically, um, it splits the songs into four parts where like you can turn off the vocals completely on a song if you want to. Or turned off the drums completely on a song if you want to. It's pretty interesting. Like there hasn't been a lot of innovation in the MP3 player game, maybe since the iPod was came out or the touchscreen iPod, if you want to argue that. But that's a you know Neil Young tried this like high quality audio player thing that didn't go anywhere. To me, a stem player, it's a new innovation. I think that could that could maybe uh, make some traction in terms of like a different way to listen to music. That's new and interesting. I'm not, I'm not with this Dolby Atmos, you know, this thing that Bieber selling on commercials and stuff, enhanced mm-hmm. experience on Apple music, all that crap. No, I'm not, not about it. Yeah. Yeah. I buy music to collect it, not to, because it sounds better. I don't want to be one of those people. That make, that'll it. make Shane angry in six to eight months yeah. when he listens. I don't care how stuff looks or sounds. And 99.9% of people don't care about 4K yeah. quality or audiophile mm-hmm. sound. Yeah. And I Seriously, and I do audio for, and video for a living and I don't care that much. You know, like yeah. that's, I'm trained to look at it for my job and I don't give a crap about it in my like personal <laughs> life. You know, I'm just like, yeah, I love this song. I'll listen to it on the radio or whatever, you know, so. Um, this has been really fun. Thanks, Ty, again for for filling in. Yeah, thanks for having uh, for me. Filling this hour with us. This has been this has been awesome. We know we can count on you, which we absolutely we don't know about that about Richard. So that's awesome. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Definitely check out Ty's work on the Rank Kings and all of his other podcasts. 
And yeah, we should watch a movie. Check that out. We, we just recorded a, yep. a uh, Rear Window episode tonight, so oh, that'll awesome. be coming out uh, yeah. Tuesday. Or I don't you know. Made Wiser watch dropping, Rear Window. Yeah, Ellen did. Yeah. Wow, Ellen too. Yeah. That's a tell, motley tell crew. The, yeah, tell them the, the premise of we should watch a movie. Just so yeah, so uh, we should watch a movie. It's three of us each week. We pick a different movie that one or both of the other two people haven't seen, and we just trade off. Um, so every week it's mostly movies that Danny hasn't seen. Um, I'll get one like every three months that I haven't seen, but it's really fun. We're we pick movies that we love that we want the other people to see, and and we talk about them and then we recast each movie with who we think should be in it like today if it came out today that's yeah. a great spin on it it's a good bit yeah yeah well props for the hitchcock talk and definitely check that out man fam it will interest you thanks for listening to this episode we hope you like wes anderson and the french dispatch let us know what you thought via email social media and on discord if you're vip and the special vip episode this week is office Season 8, Robert, California. I'm getting excited for that. Lizard King. Freaking Lizard King. <laughs> Until then, we'll see you soon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those toss salads and scrambled Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.